Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Trade Therapy uh, Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and tonight I have a special guest. Um, he's kind of a bit of a friend of mine, um, Scott Klein. He uh, is local to me, lives up uh, north of me. So, uh, Scott, hey, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Nice to have a minute to chat with you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, I kind of found out about you um, actually through um, Gary uh, McCready and his um, Know-It-All podcast. It was like a couple years ago, I believe, that you... Uh, shared like a story on his podcast and then uh, found out, you know, that you were local to me. And then we actually ended up connecting and um, kind of a little bit of a background for for the audience here that um, Scott and I've actually met in person. I actually had to drive up to uh, the city that he works at locally. And um, so we met up and had a great chat for a couple hours. That's been, that was two years ago now. And so we kind of have stayed in touch. So it's kind of like one of those uh, connections like uh Viking and I talked about last episode where it's like you actually meet these people that you discover online. It's like, hey, you actually exist. You're actually real. So it was definitely <laughs> nice to kind of connect. It's yeah, exactly. You know, but it's definitely nice to connect. It was definitely nice to connect with Scott here. Um, he's definitely a solid guy. Uh, we chatted for a couple hours. Like I said, we we stay in touch here and uh, just talk shop every once in a while. So, but I wanted to get Scott on here because um, he has a he had a story and his story I believe was about um depression. So I wanted to kind of get um, his story. Because I think it's something, you know, another thing that kind of fits into this mindset of what I want this podcast to be about, where we're sharing stories and kind of normalizing, you know, any kind of mental health issues to make it, you know, possible for people to basically realize like, hey, you know, it, this is not an uncommon thing. Like these things are out there. And so, uh, Scott, why don't you, I'd like to, why don't you give yourself a little bit of an introduction then um, as to like, you know, kind of what you do um, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, my... Uh... My HVAC background is um, I got involved in the trades through a friend of mine who basically had a, a small company. It was him and his dad and a few helpers, and they had sold a big job and needed help. And he asked me uh, if I would be willing to take off of work for a day and come help him, and he would pay me. And I said, sure, you know, whatever you need. So I ended up running flex duck in an attic in summer in, in Texas, uh, you know, it's like 130 degrees, and I had no idea what I was doing or what was really happening. But uh, they liked my work ethic, and they offered me a full-time job, and they sent me to trade school. And I had a mechanical background. I was an automotive technician, uh, heavily into bicycles and stuff, and uh, turned a lot of wrenches on a lot of different things, but never HVAC. Uh, but once I got into it, I, uh, I uh, you know, it, it, it fit me pretty well. Um, so I've been doing, uh, I've been involved in HVAC in one way or another for about 15 years, and uh, right now I'm uh, the lead service technician at a, um, uh, I, I guess it's still a small company um, out of Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, and uh, we do mostly residential and some light commercial and refrigeration, and uh, it pays the bills and keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was I was licensed in Texas and had my own company there for some years, and then uh, my family is in Pennsylvania, and I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and we moved back up here uh, about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, and so being up here um, has been great for me as a tradesperson because I've learned a whole different side of HVAC in uh, oil burners and geothermal and hydronics, which I was not 
I did not have a chance to work on anything like that in Texas. So that's been actually challenging and a lot of fun to learn that. And uh, I'm still, like, enamored with hydronics because it allows you to do um, really fun and interesting things that you can't do with, like, a heat pump. Um, so, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. So it's both Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the thing I like about being here in um, in Pennsylvania, and um, for those who don't know or don't remember, um, I live in Harrisburg, which is uh, just like about an hour south of where Scott is. And so the nice thing about being in this area and kind of like the Northeast in general is that you have, we have a bit of everything. Like we have hydronics, we have boilers, we have geothermal heat pumps, we have mini splits, we have, I mean, anything and everything under the sun just because of where we're located. Like, you know, you go further south or further west and they might necessarily have the hydronics. Um, but you know, here it's, it's very prevalent, especially, you know, well, especially in the North, but yeah, we just have a, a, just like a smattering of everything. Like if you want to work on something, you know, definitely like work in like the mid Atlantic States and you can just pretty much find anything you want and even like work on whatever, uh, niche in the trade you want. Um, so yeah, anyway, but, um, what I wanted to talk about mainly though, as I remember you had said about, um, with, when you had your podcast with Gary and I don't remember the whole story. So, um, but at one point in your life, um, you had struggled with, um, depression. So I wanted you to kind of maybe uh, unpack that a little bit, like maybe like, when did you kind of realize, um, that there were issues or when did you like, when did that kind of thing start? And maybe what, what did you do to, um, to remedy that situation? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, it's, this is, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now and this was, uh, this started back when I was about 18, and um, I struggled with depression for about six years. And so I've had quite a few years to look back on it. And, you know, you know how we are. Uh, uh, we're troubleshooters, and we like to analyze things and figure out if something's broken, like what happened or why did it break. Um, so I've, you know, had a, a lot of time to think about, you know, what mistakes did I make and, and what brought this around for me. And it's funny because, you know, you know, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, you can read a lot and, and depression can be caused by a lot of different things. You know, depression can be caused by uh, even B vitamin deficiencies and things like that. Um, and then, of course, there are, you know, circumstances in people's lives that can bring you down and then you just can't seem to come back up to being yourself again. And so there are a lot of different causes of depression and you know uh you know my depression my my particular story is um you know i just found life being really really difficult and uh, you know and, and and got in this cycle where nobody knew i was depressed i hit it really well and it starts off with something small uh where you know basically my girlfriend dumped me and, and it just kind of I couldn't let go of it, and it's something that happens to everybody at some point, but I just didn't bounce back from it and uh, kind of just dwelt on it, you know, and, and when you get into a cycle like that, eventually the thought comes in your head of, you know, well, maybe it'd just be easier if I wasn't here anymore, and so... Mm -hmm. You know, and, and some people, that, that thought might come in your head and you go, oh, yeah, but I would never do that. And that's kind of the way I was. But over months and months of dwelling on it, that idea took root where, yeah, you know, I, I would think about it every night. Like, well, maybe if I would just, you know, 
basically uh, end my life, that I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And that's literally what I thought about, like, every day for several years. And, uh, you know, the circles that I was in at the time, at that stage of my life, you know, I didn't really have anybody I thought that I could share that with or talk about it. So I'm internalizing everything. And I'm basically putting on a facade every day, going out uh, uh, to work and hanging out with my friends and stuff. And nobody knew I was depressed uh, inside. So I hit it really well, which really made it that much worse when it came time to face it. So I had this idea in my head that, you know, I just can't get over this. And it just steamrolled, or, or not steamrolled, but snowballed to a point where it kind of came to a head at, at, at one point. And um, I, I did actually attempt suicide. And uh, hmm. it, it, it was one of those things where, um, you know, I, I give all the glory to God because I, I feel like it was a providential miracle that I did not die. Um, and that's that's... Uh, and I couldn't. I can go. I could go into. Uh, I can't go into detail. Honestly, it, it's overwhelming when I when I really think about what actually occurred. But um, sure. But you know that that's basically what happened. And and I have to say that you know the only reason I'm here today is because of my faith in God. Um, and if it had not been for that, I definitely would not be here. And again, you know, everybody's going to have a different story about what the cause of their depression is or what the cause of their anxiety is and how they dealt with it and what helped them. I never read any books. Um, you know, I was pretty ignorant about these kinds of problems. But now having come through it and basically, um, you know, being healed from that depression, I find that it's way more prevalent that I, I had no idea how common it was and how common uh, thoughts of suicide are and actually people who do commit suicide, how prevalent it really is. It's it's tragic. It's really tragic. And, um, and now uh, people with anxiety and, um, you know, disorders like that and depression, uh, you know, the medications that are being prescribed for this, it's overwhelming how many people are on medication for depression, anxiety, and things like that. So it's, it's really, mm -hmm. really prevalent. And, uh, you know, that, that's something I think everybody should be made aware of. You know, I'm just like, like you, you're bringing this to the forefront, Matt, with your podcast where people just need to be aware of this, you know, because the, the, the uh, danger is really like what I did to myself was I thought, I was alone in this I'm, because that's kind of the trick that your brain tells you, uh, well, you know, nobody ever felt this way and this is terrible and, you know, this isn't really worth going through. And the truth is that's really common. Uh, people with anxiety and depression, that's a common thought. They think that they're alone and that nobody else has ever felt the way they felt when that's exactly uh, the opposite is really true. Like most people at some point in their life, have these kinds of thoughts or deal with something like this it's very common and once you realize that yeah you say, I, okay well i'm not alone in this and other people are overcoming this maybe there's hope for me uh and i'm not you know this unique person that's in this horrible situation that no one can ever overcome 
For sure. Now, um, so at this time, um, like, were this when you were still in Texas? Like, I get because you said you originally were in Pennsylvania, then you moved to Texas. So, were you in Texas? I guess when um, a lot of this was transpiring. So, um, there was a point when I was uh, twenty years old, where um, you know, at, at, at that point, I was hiding my depression, and it was winter, and wintertime in Pennsylvania is a drag. I mean, it's so cold, it's just, it's wet, it's ice, it's, there's nothing to do outside, and I love to be outside. My uh, pastime in those days was riding uh, BMX bikes, which you can't really do outside in January. So I actually left Pennsylvania because I was afraid my depression would get so bad I actually would, you know, end my life. So I thought the winter is too too bad. It's too long. It's too dark. Uh, I can't stand it here. I'm going to Texas. I actually had a friend who had recently moved there, and I just called him up and I said, uh, "You know, do you think I can crash on your floor?" And he was a senior in high school at that time, and uh, he asked his dad, and his dad said, "Sure, come on down." So I uh, there was a, actually a blizzard coming, and I can't remember what year it was. I'm trying to think. It was a major blizzard. I guess it would have been like 2001, um, but it was end of January, February. But it was a major blizzard. They actually shut down all the interstates anyway. But I got to Texas, and um, it was great. I, I loved it. It was fantastic. That was my first time being uh, that far south, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, um, you know how it is here in February. It's still, like, just awful. Well, by the end of February, the trees are already putting out leaves and flowering and stuff down in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like, I don't want to go back to Pennsylvania. So I actually was planning on staying, and then my car <laughs> my car blew up, and I had to buy a car. So I had just been living off of, you know, I'm, I'm not paying rent. I'm just sleeping on the floor, right? So I'm 20 years old. I don't need a lot. My expenses are pretty small. Um, so mm -hmm. I was just living off of some money I had. So I thought, well, I better get back to work. So I went back to Pennsylvania where I had a job and, uh, stayed up here for a couple more years. And, uh, and that was when things kind of spiraled out of control. And, uh, it was a few years, it was right immediately after that, that I did move to Texas permanently. Okay. Gotcha. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in like the, you're like, I guess like your low point then, obviously you're saying like you did actually, um, go through with an attempt, um, of suicide. And, um, like you said, I mean, and I, I mean, full disclosure as well, like, you know, um, I, I've said it before, like I'm Catholic, so I understand the whole, the God aspect of this, everything. So, um, was that like, was there, I guess, was it almost like, uh, some kind of like awakening then that might've happened like after this attempt where it was just like, you know, almost like a, in some way, like a divine providence kind of thing, like you were saying, where you just had like a, almost like this, like an epiphany moment uh, where almost like, like the light kind of like a, like a light kind of just kind of sh shown through and said like, Hey, you know, no, you are worth something or like, what was that? I guess like that, um, that moment of enlightenment, I guess I'll say. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. Uh, and, you know, I grew up in, um, uh in a non-denominational Bible church um, environment. Uh, my dad's a pastor and has been a pastor most of my life of a, of a Bible church. So I was raised mm -hmm. in, in Scripture, and, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm what you call a born-again believer. I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and 
Uh, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when I was five years old. So I knew God, but it was it's really interesting because, again, I've had years to think about this. When you grow up in a circle like that where I was very sheltered, um, you kind of take a lot of things for granted. And what I learned was I believed in God and all these things, but I, I never believed uh, the part that um, that I that me personally, I was important to God like personally. Like I, I I thought that you know, like if you would have asked me that, I would have said yeah, of course you know God loves me, but I didn't really believe that. Um, I I believed you know God loves everybody because that's what the Bible says. Uh, that John three sixteen everybody knows that verse. You know God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So I'm thinking, well, yeah, God loves everybody. And I did not believe that God was interested or cared about me personally as an individual. And that was the thing that was the turning point for me, was when, um, uh, in, in a providential way, God made me understand that. And I thought, oh, I do matter to God. It, it, uh, I, I can't throw my life away because that would be wrong. Um, God has things for me to do. Uh, I can make a difference in other people's lives. I was just very broken. So after that moment, when I went to Texas, I, I uh, joined a church down there and spent a couple years just healing um, and getting basically my, my mind and my heart sorted out. And my life since that time has uh, completely changed. Um, and, and I like again, I give all the glory to God because if I had been left to my own ways I would have thrown my life away, which was would have been a terrible and, and very selfish thing to do because, um, you know, a part, part of it, too, was um, I felt like I didn't deserve all the terrible things that I was going through, and some of them were pretty bad, uh, but the truth is, you know, bad things happen to good people, and you may not deserve it, but that's life, you know, and that's, it's, it's difficult. Um, there are always trials to overcome, whether you're a good person or or you just think you're a good person. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It's interesting um, that you're saying that. Um, I'm listening to um, a podcast right now. Um, it's on the um, – there's a podcast that's called The Bible in a Year, and there's another one that's being put out, and it's called Catechism in a Year. So it's going through what we call the, the, uh, the Catholic Catechism. And one of the things that they're talking about is, like, you know – at least in this, uh, in some of this introductory stuff is that they're saying, you know, you can believe the stuff, like you can put all, you can say, oh yeah, I believe this stuff, but it's that trust aspect. Like, do you entrust that person or that, or in this case, do you entrust God with your life? And it's, you know, that's, it is that kind of, yeah, you might have that head knowledge and it's, you know, it's the same thing, but is it like, is, did it, has it penetrated your heart? Like has, has it reached you deeply? And that's that same thing with any kind of relationship or connectedness where it's like, yeah, you, I mean, do you, you know, do you believe you can say, oh yeah, I believe in my head that, you know, I believe X, Y, Z or whatever, but you know, it does it, you really feel it like in your bones, like, is it a part of your being? Is it, is it re woven into that fiber, that fiber of yourself where you kind of like, yes, this is totally like, this is, it's, it's in your identity in a sense. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I can, I can I get with what you're saying where it's like, yeah, I mean, you can have this head knowledge, but if it doesn't reach your heart, if it doesn't like make you, if it doesn't like reach you, like the depth of your soul in that sense, yeah, then it's just, it's, it's words essentially. And so that's what it sounds like to me, like where it's, where it's like, yeah, it finally was like that, you know, just for whatever reason, like that moment where, um, it just hit you like a ton of bricks. And you, you can draw a good analogy to the trades because, um, you can have somebody fresh out of trade school and put them on a heat pump to diagnose a problem. 
they have the knowledge from the book. But you or I will walk up to a heat pump, and we will almost, with our sixth sense that Gary talks about, we know what's wrong mm-hmm. without even getting a tool out. Like, we're okay, I'm, I'm 99% sure I know what's going on here. Why? Because it's in our bones. It is in our soul. We've been doing this a long time. We have walked through the fire. We've got all this experience now, and that makes all the difference. Having the head knowledge is like the first 1% of what, you really need to know uh, to, 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 do, uh, to do what we do, you know. Like, I look back on my early days, and I'm like, man, what an idiot I was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, for I sure. Hope, I think I we hope, all do. Yeah, well, I hope in a couple of years I'll look back to this moment and say, man, I wasn't as smart as I thought I was because I want to try to learn every day, and, and I want to be better this year than I was last year because there's so much to know about this trade, and it's why we love it. Oh yeah, for sure. So and then um, so going back to your story then. Um, so you're you're in Texas. Um, you had like this you know this enlightenment moment. Was there like um, anything in particular that w- that you're doing to to kind of like help like heal your mind and your I guess in your maybe your body somewhat and you know, but to uh, of um, of this depression. Was there anything in particular like therapy or like some kind of group session within that church or was there anything was there anything like in particular that you were kind of doing as far as steps go to kind of essentially make put yourself on the right path. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I did all the wrong things. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, any any intelligent person would seek a counselor or uh, yeah, some kind of help group, even a chat room or something online with other people that are struggling with the same thing. Um, like I said before, I'm, I'm an analyzer. I'm an internalizer. I just spent a lot of time alone. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent uh, a lot of time reading my Bible, and the main thing that that changed me um, was I started, instead of looking inward at me and, and worrying about me and my problems all the time, I started to focus outward on other people and seeing, you know, let me stop worrying about myself for a little bit and obsessing, because really the root of a lot of depression, I think, is selfishness. I know that was the root of mine. It was selfishness. I was so focused on me and my problems and basically having a pity party that just got way out of control. Once I started trying to help other people and not worrying about my problems, they just went away. I mean, they literally just disappeared. They vanished. And I've had to learn this lesson several times, and since I've been married... Um, you know, uh, I've been married for 16 years, and uh, my wife and I have gone through um, uh, a lot of difficult things as a married couple. And I've found that when we stop focusing on our problems so much, because you know how we think, Matt, you and I, like, well, if there's a problem, we figure out what's wrong and we fix it. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. That's how we think. But in, in life, a lot of times there are things that happen in your life that you can't fix. There is no fix. Not really. Um, and, and I don't want to sound like, like, an, uh, like, you know, like I'm dooming here or anything, but a lot of times you have to just let life be. And if you can focus on helping somebody else and just turn away from your problems for a little bit, you'd be amazed at how your problems start to just vanish away. And that's happened for me many, many times, over and over. I've had some insurmountable thing that I could not solve in my life. And when I 
turn away from it and just let it go for a while and focus on other people and serving other people and helping other people, uh, I come back to my problem and it's just gone, literally gone. It, it worked itself it's, out. Yeah, it sounds in some way almost like that uh, that view of like that perspective where you're just like, you know, you're kind of focused on, say, like, you, you know, I guess like we'll say like you're, you're like you're focused on like your molehill in a sense. And, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, this thing is so big and so massive or whatever. But then you kind of turn around and then you're realizing like you can kind of help other people overcome maybe what they're thinking is like their own molehill and you're like well your your molehill looks a lot bigger than mine or whatever you know t- you know whatever but then you come back you help them with that in some way and i and, and you and i both know this and i know there are plenty of other people that echo this sentiment about the trades is like there is that sense of that satisfaction like you go to someone's house or you go to do a project and it's you know you're starting like whether it's construction and you're starting from scratch and then you're building something new or you're going to like you and i where we're going to someone's house to um, fix a problem that they're having, you know, and then we come out of it and we solve the problem or, you know, construction worker comes out of the problem with a completed project. And it's like, look, you come back and you say, like, I did this. This is going to help serve people in some way. And so there is that satisfaction of like, you know, it, whether you like it or not, I mean, or whether, you know, it's like, oh, it's a job or someone, you know, some other guys out there, um, that, you know, it's just a job or whatever. But there is still for some of us, people like us, where it's like, you know, there's that satisfaction of saying, you know, I fixed this. Like I saw there was a problem and I solved it for these people. And now they're going to be happier for one reason or another. And it kind of does give you that almost like that boost. And, you know, um, I know uh, Josh Dillon, for example, talks about like almost like that little like high you get off of that. And it's not, you know, it's, it's but it's I think it's like yeah, you're saying that satisfaction of a job well done and just being knowing that you've helped someone definitely makes a lot of things just kind of seem so insignificant then. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. It's really good to, um, you know, we 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 call HVAC a skilled trade uh, for a reason. It, it is, uh, you know, what we do, especially in our area where we live. You never know what you're going to find when you walk in somebody's house. I mean, you you just never know. I mean, it's going to be ev- everything or something you've never even seen before. Fifty year old oil burner. Who knows? It's crazy. But when you can resolve some issue, especially if it's something that's eluded other people, um, there's a great deal of satisfaction in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I agree. So, and then it sounds like um, basically in some way, like you um, self, I guess I'll say self-medicated in a sense um, to get through all this. And then, um so then you were in Texas and a little longer. And then after this then is when you met your wife, um, got married and moved back to Pennsylvania. And the rest they say is history as it were. Is that, is that about right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in a way, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, just, just lately since, since we're on this topic, uh, it's interesting because, you know, after, um, I'm in Texas, I'm alone. Uh, I was essentially homeless when I first moved down there, because um, uh, and, and that's a whole other story. But when I first uh, when I first got to, uh, I lived in Denton, Texas. Um, that was that was June of 2005. By September 2006, uh, my uh, my wife, um, we we were just friends. She came down just to visit. She was actually engaged to somebody else at the time. She came down to visit because uh, she just needed to get away. And, uh, you know, 
we, we ended up getting married uh, that September in 2006. And then I found out that, uh, you know, she had a lot of anxiety and, and different problems too. So we've struggled with that uh, different times in our marriage. And, uh, and she, she, she wouldn't mind me sharing this either. Um, but what I've realized recently is, you know, the stress of my job has affected her. And that's something that I haven't really heard too many people talk about. Um, we have so much of this go-getter attitude. And, you know, if, if you're good at your job in HVAC, you could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The work is there. And we have so much of this attitude in the trades, like, you know, you got to be, you know, you just basically, uh, like, you're being incentivized to work your brains out and make all this money. And, you know, if making money is your goal, then have at it. But we need to understand, too, that our work life has an impact on our families, and we need to be aware of that. And that's something that I was not aware of because, you know, if you go back to when I first got my license and had my own business in Texas, uh, this is going back about uh, 10 or 12 years, I guess. I was working 80 hours every week all the time. And, uh, you know, my wife was just a trooper. You know, she was a stay-at-home mom. She was taking care of everything. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. So she was used to my working all the time. And I've only just now recently come to understand that it has taken a toll on her. Um, and, you know, so I'm starting to reassess some, of, some things uh, in 2023 to prioritize my family. Not because I don't enjoy my job, um, but I, I need to um, at least honor my wife and my family a little bit more and maybe have to say no to some work that I could do. But, um, you know, right now I, I have to be more aware of uh, the mental health of my wife and, and me too because, um, you know, it, it does have an effect on your family when you're at work all the time or when you're on call oh, yeah. more than you should. And everybody's situation is going to be different, you know. Not everybody has the crazy work schedule that I have. depends on the company you work for, the size of the company. You know, my company's had a lot of turnover in, in the recent months, and I ended up working on call a lot, trying to pick up the slack. Uh, we were really shorthanded, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, invested in the company, not financially, but I, I want to see the company grow and expand. I, I'm in a good position to be promoted and things, so I, you know, I'm doing everything I can, and in my mind, I'm saying, well, I'm doing all this, and I'm working real hard for my family, but on the other hand, in a lot of ways, I'm ignoring and I'm hurting my family, so that's kind of a balance that everybody has to find for themselves, but if you're not aware that it needs to be done, you're just going to, you know, work your brains out, because the job just sucks you in. I mean, there's always that work there. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you know how it is. I mean, you're married to your business. You can't turn it off. It's always there. And that's why I don't own my own business anymore, <laughs> uh, because it, I, I want to be able to clock out. I want to be able to take a vacation. I want to be able to, uh, you know, think about something other than 
oh, you know, Mr. Johnson's heat pump's acting up again. It's the third time I've been out there this week, and the phone's ringing off the hook because it's four degrees outside. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we can push through that, but I'd like to point out the fact that it, it does take a toll on your spouse. And I, I was wanting to look up statistics on uh, tradesmen and divorce rates because I've seen numbers before, and I know they're kind of high. Uh, and, and there's a reason mm-hmm. why. There's definitely a reason why. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, um, you know, that's something that I'm like my wife and I have had to deal with at, at times. I mean, thankfully, with where I am now, um, with, with where I work, it's generally I it's like I work 40 hours a week. Like, it's not crazy. And we I mean, I'm on call now it, probably like once almost every other month at this point, um, just because of the rotation we have and the group of guys we have. So for me, it's. I don't mean I don't I'm not I don't have to deal with like the crazy hours. I mean I thankfully haven't had to deal with crazy hours. I mean there there was one time this was oh probably it was a cold snap some cold snap we had recently maybe about like four or five years ago and it was a Jan it was January and I was out almost like all day on a Saturday just just out and it was and it and it stunk like it was it was not I mean I didn't really thir- enjoy it like yeah I mean yeah I'm working but it was just cold and you know when you're on call like that it's just you just and I get to a point. Where, and I'm sure you do too. In some way, we're just like, oh my gosh, I just would like to go home, sit down, have some family time, you know, eat dinner, whatever. I mean, I'm sure you know everyone out there has kind of has had that kind of experience. And so for me, it's I'm glad that where I do work, I do kind of have that nice I, like balance where it's you know generally I'm home almost every day around you know around four thirty or whatever. Like that's like my quitting time. And so then at that point, then I'm like done, and um. I don't have like, you know, some of these other guys. And so, yeah, I hear what you're saying too, because I have heard some other statistics, like, you know, some of these like construction workers or whatever that, you know, like yeah. it's, it's almost like a running joke about like, oh, how many, how many marriages have you had? Oh, I've had two and I've had three because of my job, you know, and it's like, well, that really shouldn't, that shouldn't be a statistic. Like that's not, that's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. And that's the thing I think that some of these, uh, like maybe like business owners or whomever need to kind of take into account like their own, the, the mental health of their own guys in some way to say, you know, Hey, you know what? you know, I, I see you're working a lot. You need to just like take a break, like just yep. like take this one day. I mean, you've got enough overtime, just, you know, just take the next day off, spend some time with your family because you're just working yourself to, to a bone. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't think business owners necessarily are aware of the, of their own, of the own toll that they're taking upon their employees. And so I think there needs to be awareness overall on, on that yeah. front. Yeah. And I'm all about working hard. I've been working since I was 12 years old. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that working hard is good, but you still have to take into account your family life if you have a family uh, and the toll that it takes on them. Because I think the truth is if you're willing to work 80 hours a week, then you, you probably will um, because, you know, uh, you're, if, you're, if your boss or whatever, if your company that you're working at, whether it's your company or you're an employee, if you're willing to work those hours, they probably have the work for you to do, and they're going to say, hey, yeah, he's, he's getting it done. Go right ahead. You know, We'll give you all the overtime you want because the work is there. And that's fine to a point, but you got to understand, uh, and I'm saying this to myself because I'm an idiot and I didn't realize this because, like I said, my wife never complained about my work schedule, um, having to leave the Thanksgiving Day table, uh, which I've done twice, and 
and she just hasn't really complained about it. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't really taken some kind of toll on on her. And you know, just because mm-hmm. you know, I, I might not enjoy it, but I have that attitude where, like, hey, I'm a hard worker. This is what I do. I work my brains out. Um, because that's honestly the example that my dad set for me. You know, my dad's uh, 64 years old, and he still works hard. He still has his own business. Uh, he, he has two jobs, and he's basically, you know, I wouldn't call him a workaholic anymore because he has slowed down, but he can still outwork just about anybody. And that's that, to me, is normal because that's how I grew up. So to me, if I turn in an 80-hour week, I think, well, that's... Where's the problem? You know, I'm, 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 it's money in the bank. <clears throat> but there's a trade-off, you know. Do we need that much extra money? Is it worth being away from my kids and my wife and leaving, um, you know, all the, all the things that I'm not there to help with at home? Um, you know, because if you work 80 hours a week, you're not going to go home and help make dinner and fold laundry. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely not. Oh yeah, I mean, and um, I mean, I think with just because I got into this into this later um, and later in life, so I mean, I was kind of like working not like office hours, but I mean, essentially I was because I was doing some like odd jobs until I started getting into HVAC. Um, and I've been uh, let's see, I've been it's been eleven years since I've been doing it, and I started. Um, oh geez, let's see what I'm going to be. Well, let's see, I was about twenty. I was in my late twenties when I started into this. So for so for us, it like you know this whole like working extra hours was kind of a newer thing, especially being on call and everything. Um, so we're, it's, you know, I think for my wife and myself, it's like, we're, we're used to just kind of like, Oh, I work like an eight hour day and then I'm home or maybe I'm home a little early or whatever. And it's just kind of the way that things have worked in my company as well with, um, with where I am. It's not uh, super crazy busy. Um, like some other places. I mean, at times I kind of wish we were a little more busy, but at the same time, it's just, there's a nice way of, it's, you know, we have, there's consistent work, so I'm not, complaining about that aspect at all um but yeah it's, it, she's my wife is de- my wife is definitely a, a more vocal person where she's like like you know where she'll be like look you know i need communication like if you're gonna be late i need to let know and it was really hard um when when she was still working um she was a um a music minister at a church and so it was it was kind of worked out that whenever she had her stuff which of course would be like on an evening during the week and then on a sunday morning I'm normally home. No big deal. I can stay home and watch the kids and this worked out. But what the where the rub came in was like, if I was on call or if I got stuck on some kind of call and it happened to be like on that evening where she had her rehearsal, then things were in a lurch and she's like, well, I need to figure out something to do with the kids and this and that. And then it became this, and it became a big stressor for her, even though she's trying yeah. to, you know, do her thing, you know, her own job or whatever. And, and I mean, and now it's, and it, there were times as well during like I'd say that during that working period where there were uh, times where she would just say, look, I need a mental health day. I need you to just take the next day off. And um, I, you know, in some ways I felt guilty about like calling the office and saying, I'm not coming in tomorrow um, because I felt like I was letting the company down. But then my, you know, but then it's this, that aspect of the sense of, you know, you are not indispensable. Like you can leave your job and then someone else comes in and takes your place. And, you know, within a matter of months or whatever, you're kind of, you're long forgotten. You know, you might be like, Oh, remember so-and-so with whatever. And you're, they come up in a a story or whatever, but you're not 
you know, once you're gone, like, that's it. Like, there's no, you know, there's no, they're not going to be at your bedside, as my wife would say, you know, and you, yeah, the family is right. who's going to be um, there for you. And that's just it. It's like those setting those priorities. And I saw that on recently, um, uh, H, uh, HVAC um, Bear, um, I'm not sure if you follow him or not, but he's reading a book called Boundaries. And I know you and I talked about that as well, briefly, in a conversation, basically where it's yeah, like, you know, that sometimes you, you do need to have... Yeah, you do need to have like you have to have you'd have to have these boundaries in place because yeah, if you let people if you say like, Oh, you jump at these opportunities to work these eighty hour weeks or whatever, well yeah, but there's a there's a price to pay for that. I mean, there's a cost to a cost benefit or to everything. And um yeah. so for me it's Absolutely. nice where again where it's like I know like I yeah, I've got like the consistent work or whatever. Like I'm not, I have, I get overtime every now and then. Like, you know, we had that cold snap recently and I got asked to help a guy or whatever. No big deal because I mean, I was just helping him out. Um, but at the same time, like there was a, like a side thing that had come up and um, I was like, well, I knew I was like, oh, I can go do this. Like I, I can be a hero. Like I can go save the day. And it's like, well, yeah, but you, you know, you're a hero to that person or whatever, but you know, you are more important to the family, to this family and to, you know, to these kids. Like I've got my five kids here at home. And so, you know, they, they, they don't like it when I necessarily leave. Um, so it's, for me, it's that realization of what is, what is most important? Like where, where are your priorities? And I think that's kind of the mindset that um, we need to have more is just like this, you know, getting your own life priorities straight and that work is not everything. I mean, yeah. uh, there's a gentleman that worked that he was like the senior, most senior guy we had in our company. Um, and he was basically like a consultant at, at this point, at this point in his career. But he, um, unfortunately passed away, uh, at the beginning of October, um, due to complications with leukemia. Um, but he, and he never retired. Like he didn't get to kind of enjoy the fruits of his labor because, um, he, we all suspected he was going to die working, but he just, we felt like he just was one of those guys that, you know, he just wouldn't know what to do with himself if he wasn't working, which in some ways yeah. seems kind of unfortunate. Um, and so that's where for me, I'm like, you know, that it was a little bit of a sobering thing where it's like, you know, I don't want to be like that person. Like, I don't want to be the guy that has like, you know, is ends up being alone and, you know, miserable because, you know, he doesn't know what to do with himself aside from, you know, this trade or whatever. So yeah, again, just for anyone out there, you know, do set boundaries. Like, you know, you put the, put something in place, like get your priorities squared away because, you know, a job is just a job in the, in the long run. There are more important things in life. Yeah. Well, you need to know what your goals are. I mean, if you're single and you don't have a family, work your brains out if you want to. That's great. I mean, if that's what you want to do, but you got to be careful of your influences a little bit, because if you're on social media, you see a lot of these people, you know, they brag about the money they make, all the overtime they make. Uh, they like, you got to push all the time, push, 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 you know, you got to work, 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 and you got to be a big achiever and all this stuff. And to a degree, I agree with that. That's true. You do want to try to excel at what you do, but you need to understand that if you're working a lot of hours, it might be having an effect on other people. That's basically all I'm, I'm trying to get at because I did it for years and never realized what I was doing to my family. And now I kind of regret it because I didn't have to do it. I could have said no. And now I, I think in 2023 that's going to be something that I'm going to do more of is say, uh, you know what, <clears throat> something's going to have to wait because I need to be home to have dinner with my family. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I haven't uh, – I'm not sure what – what the repercussions will be as far as work is, you know, I'm, I'm just an employee, 
but I'm going to have to set some limits as to what I'm doing. And the the unfortunate part is that I've made myself indispensable where I've been that guy who will get up and go at any time, even if I'm not on call, and pitch in and help and do everything. And I think this year that's going to have to change because I'm I'm going to start prioritizing my family a little bit more. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think... Oh yeah, I, I totally agree. And I was gonna say yeah. to bring, kind of make it full, bring this whole thing like full circle. <laughs> yeah, well, so to make this bring this whole thing kind of like full circle, it goes back to I think to basically you know not focusing on your own self in that way, where it's just like you're realizing like, hey, there's more than just what I'm after, more than just what I want to do. You know, as far as working at long hours and you know, you know, making it seem like I'm providing for the for for whomever, for my family, for myself, or whatever. But you know, you have to almost like look outside that box and you know get those blinders off and realize hey you know there's more than just me out here like there's this whole other there's this whole community of people or whomever like family friends you know like again i get you know, going back to what you're saying about just getting outside yourself i think that's where you really need to kind of uh put you know take stock of what you're doing in your life and say, you know, Hey, where, what, what is important? Like, where are my priorities? Are there people in my life that I am, you know, affecting with, by the decisions I make. And that's something I have had to realize as well is just almost that sense of is swallowing my pride where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm not, you know, I, yeah, I can be a hero, but I don't need to be the hero. I can be a hero sometimes, but I don't need to be the hero all the time because there are other people that need me to be, you know, a hero more frequently than, you know, some random stranger. Like I've got family. Um, and I th- one of the things that I, there's a shirt um, that someone out there has made and, um, and I'd still love to get it, but it says, you know, most, you know, most people call me an HVAC technician. The most important people though, call me dad. And for me, that's, it's a, like, that's just like a little bit of a sobering reminder just to be like, you know, Hey, get your priorities straight. You know, family is, definitely more important than any kind of job we have out there. Um, and it sounds like that's, you're kind of real making that realization now. And I mean, good for you on that. And, um, and I wish you the best on that front. I mean, cause I know that that could be a, a difficult conversation to have with, um, with your boss here in the near future. Yeah. It might get a little awkward, but you know, it is what it is. I, I, I'm fortunate to work for, um, I think I'm, I'm working with the best people I've ever worked with. So I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but, uh, it, it's, I think it's, um, it's going to be a little bit of a humility, a lesson in humility to say, you know what, I can't be the superhero anymore. I can't just be available all the time because I basically have been available all the time for the past couple of years. And, um, it's to me it's just not worth it anymore at least for a while i need to pull back from that and um and hopefully you know things will still go smoothly because you know we we have a lot to do we have a lot of customers we have a lot of needs um but you know it'll be okay um they'll have to we'll have to find a way uh find a way to to figure it out and and pull together and you know, we'll we'll be fine as a company, and and I'm going to be good as a as a service technician. You know, I'm going to keep trying to get better, but I want to improve as a father and a husband also. And I think I have a lot of room to do that. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we all have room to grow. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Scott, I do appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much for sharing your story. And thanks also for bringing up this this other topic of, you know, uh, just realizing that, you know, we have, we have our own problems. We also have to realize like the decisions we make do affect those around us. So, again, I thank you for your time tonight. Anytime, Matt. Yeah, always good to talk with right. you. And, um, you take care of yourself, and maybe I'll bump into you if you're up this way. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, you have a good night, Scott.